Hey doulas, welcome to another episode of the Doula Road Trip Podcast. I'm so excited this week. I know I say that every single week, but I really am excited this week. Um, I have been following this person online for a few years and learned about like birth photography, how to get started as a birth photographer, and just thought that it was absolutely beautiful. The service that birth photographers offer, the epic like photos. I don't know about you guys. I don't watch birth videos, but I absolutely love birth photography. So excited to dive into that today. I know a lot of you have been asking like what can you do what can you offer like what is a bridge you can use in order to get into birth work and so birth photography is a fantastic option so welcome welcome um tell everyone a little bit about you who you are what you do and then we'll go ahead and jump in yeah thanks so much for having me my name is tavia redburn and i have photographed birth in newborn in oklahoma city for the last almost 11 years. And I teach birth photographers online through my company, The Beauty and Birth, how to get certified in birth photography and fully book their calendar so they can go full-time. I was able to go full-time with my photography business in 2018 and retire my husband from his corporate job that he was absolutely miserable in. And so I am the sole income for my family of five. So I'm excited to be here. Wow. I'm excited that you're here too. I... Love that you retired your husband. That's actually like a secret goal of mine. I don't tell many people, and now I'm saying it on the podcast, so I guess everybody knows now, (laughs) um, that my husband is like miserable at his job, and I would absolutely love to retire him one day. So talk a little bit about birth photography. How did you find out about it? What is it? Like all of the things. Yeah. So I, whenever you and I were first chatting, you said you became an accidental doula. And I think I became an accidental birth photographer yeah. because I hired a birth photographer for my son's VBAC in 2011. Oh, wow. And she did not show up at all. Oh. Um, she was a lower priced birth photographer. Birth photography, you think birth photography is new now? In 2011, it was real new. Mm. (laughs) And um, I hired her. She didn't show up because she didn't expect me to be in labor as long as I was in labor. I was in labor for 36 hours. When my husband called her to come, she said she didn't have childcare and she wouldn't be able to come. So that's like a whole like lot of stuff we could talk about. But (laughs) that's what led me into becoming a birth photographer because I already Mm. had a photography business at that time. And I realized that there was kind of a gap in the market. There was a gap of somebody who specialized in birth photography, who that was their only thing that they offered or like their primary thing that they offered um, that could be reliable for people in my community. And so I photographed my very first birth in January of 2012 and it was for free. It was for my cousin. And I just said, Hey, I think I want to photograph birth. Do you mind if I come photograph your birth? And she said, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. And I was hooked. Like after that first birth, I was just like, this is what I want to specialize in. Like, this is the thing that I want to be known for. And so I went on to photograph, I think two more births that year and really switched to my specialty in kind of portrait photography to being known as a birth photographer. And business-wise, that was one of the best decisions that I made kind of unknowingly because being known for something helped people know who I was instead Mm -hmm. of just a general kind of portrait photographer. Being known as a birth photographer um, helped me stand out among people. And I kind of became the the go-to birth photographer. And that allowed me to, to continue to serve those clients 
um, with newborn photography, maternity, that kind of thing as my business grew. So I kind of became an accidental birth photographer. (laughs) I love that. I think that so many times, like the things that we're supposed to do, like just show up in very, very strange ways. And it's like, huh, I think my intuition is telling me I need to move towards this. And so I'm so glad that you did. Sad that she missed the VBAC birth and that she didn't photograph it, but glad that you answered the call to be the birth photographer that she didn't have the capacity to be in your area at that time. Um, Tell me a little bit about this. So first things first is like, do you need to have any experience? Because it sounds like you were a portrait photographer before you became a birth photographer. So that to me says you had experience with photography, you knew equipment, like that sort of thing. So what is the kind of like knowledge base that we need to have if we're thinking about doing birth photography? Great question. So birth photography is kind of unique in that it's birth work and it's photography. Like you okay. kind of have to have the photography skill set and that you're on call. You have to have at least a basic understanding of birth. And okay. so what I find is people who are considering birth photography usually have one of the two. They either have the birth work experience or they have the portrait photography experience and they want to kind of combine those. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, look at your current skill set and identify which of those you fit into. Do you feel like you have the birth experience or do you feel like you have the portrait photography experience? experience and then just start to learn more about the thing that you don't know about yet. And so for your listeners, that might very well be photography. So I'm thinking, okay, I want to learn my camera, right? First and foremost. And so I would say there are three things that I see new birth photographers um, run into and kind of, um, I don't want to say mess up, but just sort of challenges that they have photographing their first birth. Yeah. The first one is focal points on your camera and choosing the right focal point so that what you want to be in focus is actually in focus. Mm. I do a, um, a gallery review with my students in the certification every single month where I like critique their photos. And the number one thing that I see over and over is just miss focus. And that usually just comes because you're new to your camera. You're not quite sure how to do it. So if you're going to study something, study focal points and how to make sure that the object that you want to be in focus is actually in focus. Ooh. Sounds simple. It can be challenging, can be challenging. in birth <laughs> photography. Yeah. Um, manual mode is the second thing. So just oh. overall how to shoot in manual mode mm. in your camera. And okay. that's a big topic. It can be a big undertaking. And I always just encourage people to practice at home, get out your camera and practice every single day for 30 days and take photos in low light. That's number three, low light, because yes. home birth, Dark. as you know, <laughs> Dark, super dark. Middle of the night can be pitch black. Absolutely. And so it's super challenging for photographers who are used to having studio lighting or shooting outside, 100%. you know, in the evening um, to understand how to really use your camera and maximize its low light capabilities. So if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I want to uh, maybe think about birth photography, those would be the three places I would point you to really focus. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about equipment, right? Because let's be honest. Tavia, these cameras is expensive. I've seen some of them on the market and I'm like, oh my goodness. So um, I know people will obviously need a camera. And so tell us about cameras, what people should be thinking of and any other equipment that people may need that may not be as obvious as obviously the camera. Yeah, great question. So I always tell photographers the best camera is the one that you have, because I think that we can get really lost in looking at what our mentors are using or looking at the gear that somebody that we admire is using. Yeah. 
And in the same way, a brand new doula might not have access to everything in a, an advanced doula has. Like I've never been a doula, but I've had a doula at my birth and I know, but like you guys have like a bag of tricks, right? Like you have your like bag of things that you like bust out when needed. Yeah. And you didn't get that overnight, right? Like you didn't get that when you were very first starting. So it's similar to a brand new photographer. The best camera is the one that you already have. Now, if you're like, I don't have a camera, then I would start to look at your budget first and foremost. Because okay. like you said, you can spend a lot of money, yeah. a lot, thousands and thousands of dollars on cameras and lenses. Yes. So I would just look at, okay, what is my budget? Okay. And what can I find within that budget that is, of course, a DSLR or mirrorless camera okay. that has I high ISO capabilities? Okay. I just threw out a lot of words that people might be like, what the heck does that even mean? <laughs> you can Google those terms and, and quickly find a definition. But ISO is, in layman's terms, short, like basically how your camera handles low light. Okay. And so as a new birth photographer, ideally, you would have a camera that handles low light well, okay. Now I will say I started out with a Canon Rebel, which is the oh, most nice. basic entry level DSLR, that, and a lot of doulas will bring those, right? Like yep. and snap some photos at clients' births. Um, I don't know how much they're going for. I paid six hundred dollars at the time for a brand new one. Okay. I imagine you could probably get a used entry level DSLR for under a thousand dollars, maybe five, four, three if it's used. Um, that's what I would start to look at because yes, your camera body is important. But your lens is also, I would say, almost as important as your actual camera body. For sure. And so stop me if I'm like speaking technical jargon that <laughs> is going to make people's heads want to explode. But whenever you buy a camera, especially new, it will come with a kit lens. Yep. I recommend just not, if you can buy a camera without the kit lens, just don't even use it. Okay. Because nine times out of 10, it's not something that's going to serve you. You'd be better off taking that money and buying um, like a 35 millimeter lens or a 24 millimeter lens that's nice and wide so you can get a lot in your shots. Oh, so okay. hopefully that helps like kind of point people in the right direction when it comes to gear. Yeah. The gear you already have is going to be your best bet. If you're going to spend some money, set your budget, be okay with an entry-level DSLR while you're first getting started in the same way you wouldn't have a bag of tricks when you first start out as a doula, right? right? Um, and then start to look at your lens. That's where you're really going to be able to get great quality photos over using the kit lens that's provided for you. Okay. Do, should people have like a backup camera or like a backup battery or charger or I think sometimes they come with like the little bags, like it's like a little black bag that's specifically for the camera, other things like that, um, or any other equipment that maybe people need. Should people be bringing lights um, to a, a home birth that's like maybe in the country and like super dark, like in order yeah. to get the photo? So talk a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah. Good question. Um, so I don't bring any like standalone lights. Okay. Like that are independent from the camera, but I do use a speed light on top of my camera. Okay. I will say that's a little more advanced. Okay. It's easier to mess up than just shooting with available light. Oh, and it okay. also has the potential to be a disruption. So I have a lengthy conversation um, with our clients and I tell my students to do the same. If you're going to use a flash, my whole philosophy is to be a fly on the wall and to capture things as they happen and to not be a distraction. Okay. And a flash kind of defeats that purpose a little bit, right? Like it can be a distraction. And so I want to have an in-depth conversation with my clients and say, hey, this is my goal to be a fly on the wall for you. 
but I also want you to get high quality photos. So I'm going to use a flash. If at any point it bothers you, yeah. let me know and I will turn it off. I've been to enough births to, to know if the flash is bothering mom or somebody else. I can usually tell, but that comes with experience. So okay. definitely you can use a speed light, but just know that the learning curve can be a little bit more steep than learning how to shoot with available light. Um, you mentioned backup cameras and I do think backup cameras, backup gear for everything you have in an ideal situation is really important. If you have a camera body, you have a second camera body. If you have this certain kind of lens, you have a backup for that. You have backup memory cards. I also understand that not everybody can go out and spend $5,000 on all of this stuff. And so if you're like, okay, I'm doing good to be able to get the $500 camera right now until I build up my, my portfolio and my client base, um, that's when I would say, then start looking at purchasing backup gear. The most important thing though, is to communicate this with your clients and say, Hey, I am a brand new birth photographer. You're going to be the first birth I photograph. And I know that can kind of seem scary to people. People are like, I don't want to tell them that, no. but it's so important to communicate clearly upfront that they're getting a steal. They're getting a really, really big discount because you're new, because you're trying to build your portfolio as a result you don't have a backup camera body. I think you should say that. I think that you should let them know. Now, you don't anticipate anything going wrong. You don't anticipate your body, you know, not working, but you just want to let them know that you're new and to expect this or that. I think just in an ideal situation, you would have backups for everything. But again, that's something that I built over time. And I wouldn't tell you that you have to have all of those things in order to get started. I would tell you to communicate with your client that this is your current situation, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay. Do you think that people should find a mentor or a coach if they're thinking about becoming a birth photographer in the same way that you might if you're becoming a doula? I think obviously it's going to help speed up the process. Yeah. You know, it's going to help speed up your learning. Everything that I learned was trial and error because there weren't really any birth photographers to learn from. And so it's yeah. just kind of like, I'm going to do the best I can and, and learn from people in Facebook groups and that kind of a thing. But if you're at a point where you're like, I really want to make this thing work. I really want to learn quickly in the next six months. I want to be the best birth photographer in my city. You're going to need some help to get there. And so if you have plans and you are the type of person who really wants to know everything you need to know before you go in into an environment like that, then I absolutely recommend working with somebody to learn those things. Okay. Love that. Love that. Let me ask you this as far as like when you're a doula, a birth doula, typically we have a backup doula. And you did mention at the beginning of this podcast about the fact that your photographer was completely and totally unavailable. And it sounds like she didn't have like secure childcare at the time to maybe even be offering that service. So do birth photographers have backup birth photographers or what happens in the case of an emergency if you're not able to make it to a birth? Yes, we do have backup birth photographers. Okay. And I would kind of bring that in the same light as um, backup equipment. Because if we okay. think about my situation, if I had hired that photographer who I think maybe was charging two or $300, which is fine. But if she had said to me, you're my first birth, or you're my second birth, or I don't have backup gear, or, I don't have a backup photographer, I might have thought twice about hiring her. And we might have both been a little bit happier with how things went because she had been honest up front and told me I don't have backups and, and these kinds of things. So I think that might, could it potentially lose you the client? Yes. Yeah. But is that something that you're okay with because you're honest and up front and they have really clear expectations when they're hiring you? 
also yes. And so in an ideal situation, as long as you're not brand new, I would expect you to have a backup photographer. Um, because you never know what's going to happen, right? Like you could have an emergency, you could be at another birth, like your listeners know all about backups and like reasons that you would need a backup. For sure. Um, but it's really, really important. So yeah, definitely need need a backup. Okay. Okay. So that's good to know. Let me ask you this. How do you educate clients on when to call you and when you arrive in the birth process? Because as a birth doula, I know that that's the hard part, right? Like if you do have a client who's in labor for 24 hours, you don't want to be there for all 24 hours. You kind of want to be there during active labor. Sometimes it can go quickly. Sometimes you may completely miss it. Sometimes people may call you early. So I know you guys probably have to deal with all of that as well being on call. So talk a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have an extensive consultation, not as extensive as doulas probably, (laughs) but I do get into birth history with them because I want to know, do you have a history of fast labors? Uh, What were your mom's labors like? We'll ask that sometimes. It's like, oh, my mom had me at 42 weeks. It's like, cool, good to know. Not saying that's going to happen, but it's just nice to know if they don't have a labor history, what their mom's labors were like, if they know that. Um, That's really valuable information, as you guys all know, (laughs) because then you know, like, okay, I've I've had a client, she had had seven babies. All of them were inductions and all of them, she had a baby within... I think an hour or two hours of her water breaking. Oh, wow. So she's like, here's what happens. I get induced at this many weeks. My water breaks at this time usually. And I have a baby by 4 p.m. And she had had that happen seven times. And so you better believe that whenever she was induced, I was like chilling nearby waiting to come up. And sure enough, it happened exactly like she said. And so it's like, that's why labor history is so important. Not that you're going to have that really ever. That was kind of a unicorn, but just having that conversation with them. Yeah. And then as far as when to come, once you know that information, if they have a labor history, just like you said, I always say, I want to come in active labor. And I explain to them what that looks like. Here's the difference between, well, this is a generalization, but typically what I see Mm -hmm. is doulas have the type of clients who maybe don't want to be induced. They want a natural labor. They don't want an epidural. They want a vaginal birth. Birth photographers, we have clients on all ends who want everything, who want, who are okay with a scheduled um, C-section or who uh, my doctor said, get induced. I'm induced. And that's not my role at all. Right. I am the photographer. I am not there to offer any kind of labor support or my opinions or my advice. And I think that can get some wires crossed sometimes with birth photographers because they're passionate about birth. Uh, and because okay. they are in this because they like birth, right. it can get a little hairy sometimes. And I think it's really important to note that if you're being hired just as the birth photographer and your client calls you at 38 weeks and says they scheduled their induction for 38 and a half weeks or whatever. Cool. Your question is what like, time I have where. no, <laughs> yeah, right. like I have no opinion about that right. to them. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? As a feedback mom myself, Of course, I come with my own stuff of like, I don't want to see you have an unnecessary C-section and, you know, all these different things, but I have to let that go because that's not my role. I'm not their doula. So in that conversation of when to call, I am laying it out there for them in a way that um, they don't know. I'm assuming they don't know anything about labor and birth. They may have not taken a birth class. They might not know anything. And so I'm saying, you know, seven centimeters doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a baby soon. So I'm looking at things like, you know, how close are your contractions and how challenging are they for you? And did you suddenly stop talking through contractions and now you're having to pause and focus? Like, 
things like that I'm telling them and their partner to help everyone in the room understand um, when is a good time to call. And it might not just be based on centimeters dilated because that's what a lot of people kind of think. Um, so similar to you, I, I like to come in active labor, but I like to explain to them what that actually looks like. Okay. Love that. Love that. Let me ask personal like lifestyle questions, right? As far as like having a business and then also having a new baby, because it sounds like you had this epiphany right after your VBAC, right? So this person Mm -hmm. didn't show up for the VBAC birth. And then you were like, oh, I see I could be a birth photographer. How were you able to balance like having a very small family and like being on call? Because I feel like that's something that comes up for so many people, especially for moms, especially for moms of small babies, like juggling a crazy like birth happens at any given time. And then I also have a small child. So, so if you can talk a little bit and share some tips about like what life on call was like for you with the small family. <laughs> um, looking back. So this is obviously a long time ago yeah. because I had another baby in 2013 and was also a birth photographer all throughout there. Right. And looking back at what 35 year old Tavia knows compared to what 23 year old Tavia was actually doing. Yeah. I'd probably do things a little differently now. Yeah. Um, but I was really driven. I was really passionate about making my business successful. Now I would hear people talk about like seasons in your life and take it easy. I'd be like, no, I know I have little kids, but like, I want to make this thing successful and I want to make it successful now. Yeah. I guess that's just like a flaw in my personality <laughs> or, or a perk. I don't know how you look at it. Yeah. And so, um, I did everything that I could to continue to book births um, with babies. Now, as far as like breastfeeding goes and all of that, I would bring them with me sometimes. Like my daughter was born in 2013 and I booked a birth. I would not recommend doing this. I booked a birth four weeks after she was born. No way. And I, and I'm in Oklahoma city and the birth was in Tulsa. So it was like an hour and 45 minute drive. Do not do that. Do not listen to wow. TV and do that. Okay. I would never do that now. But I brought her with me. Mm, Okay. I just wore her during the birth. And I told my client, I'm like, hey, I'm due like four weeks before you. So I'm probably going to have my baby and I'm just going to bring her with me. So I did a lot of that. I would pump at births. Like my clients and I had a personal relationship. They knew that I had babies. And so um, I would like step out in the room and pump and bring all my stuff with me. (laughs) You know, all of that. Yeah. Um, Looking back, what I do it that way. Maybe, maybe not. It was kind of a lot, but I had solid backup or excuse me, solid childcare. Okay. And I think that really makes a huge difference. That's willing to um, take care of my kids when my husband was working. Okay. That's really, really important. Can it be done? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I absolutely love that. What about um, the aspect of like building a business and like getting your first client, right? So let's talk a little bit about like the marketing of it. Cause you said that you booked a client like, like within four weeks of like you having your daughter. So it sounds to me like you really booked clients consistently from the start. I think you said you started with your cousin, one other person who you knew, and then you kind of got started from there. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it can be hard for people to attract clients and then even harder to open up your mouth and say like, I'm brand new. So talk a little bit about like client attraction and communication about where you are in your business journey? Yeah, I I vividly remember my third birth client. I was sitting down with her at her house and she was thinking about hiring me and she was having a home birth. And she said, do you have, she had looked at my website and seen the portfolios of of the two births that I had photographed before her. And she said, do you have any other um, images that we can look at? And I was like, uh, no. 
the uh, I've only shot two births. And I didn't want to say that. Like, I remember that feeling like it was yesterday. Like, I was like, I don't want her to know I've only photographed two births. But if I could go back to myself, I would tell myself, like, it's okay that you've only photographed two births. People understand that you're new to business. And I think it really sets the expectation well for your relationship with that client. If they know kind of like where you're at and you're not trying to make yourself seem like something that you're not, you're not trying to make yourself seem like more experienced. And so I think that it's actually beneficial for that relationship. If you kind of take a step back and go like, it's okay if I've only attended one birth or two births or zero births, like maybe this is my very first one. Yeah. Um, so your question was how to get those first few. Yeah. That just popped in my head. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm that. glad you did. No, because I did say how to get your first few births and then how to be open and honest and transparent in communication, right? Because it's like, I don't want to mess up this consultation by telling you that like I'm new and you're a guinea pig for my business and what I'm doing. So like I won't mention it because <laughs> I know I've right. done that. I've been that person who was like, nope, this is not my first birth. I've been in births before. I've supported people before and just left it very general, but like definitely mm-hmm. didn't want to tell people that they were my first, even though it was like birth number two. So yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it so funny? Like how our brains work. I think that as a consumer myself, if I was hiring someone for a, especially a lower price, because nine times out of 10, right. if you're brand new, you're, you're paying less money. They kind of want to know why. I would be. It's like you're four hundred dollars or five hundred dollars. Like, why are your prices so low? Oh, here's why. And then I can make an educated decision as the consumer. Like, am I okay with paying a lower price and getting someone less experienced? Good point. Um, I think that's just a win-win for everyone. Everyone involved. Yeah. So as far as how to continue to get my, how I continue to grow my business and continue to book clients, I would say two things. Number one, well, three. (laughs) One just popped in my head. Um, Number one is definitely relationships with the birth community. I think that doulas know that pretty well. I think photographers kind of don't really think about that as much, Mm. but finding birth networking, like meetup, there was a, there was a networking group for birth workers that I attended, um, talking to your doula, your midwife, like people that you know, that are already in the birth space and finding out how they're supporting each other. How are they connecting? Are they meeting? Do they have meetups? Like how can you serve them? Um, getting involved with that was hands down how I was able to book my first several clients who didn't know me, who were just random people who didn't already have a relationship with me. Number two is SEO. And that is basically search engine optimization ranking on Google for your desired search terms. And I would blog consistently to get ranked for Oklahoma City birth photographer. And I started to find a lot of people were finding me on Google because birth photography was less known. So people would just be like, huh, I wonder if I can find a birth photographer on Google. And it's still relatively easy, I would say, unless you live in in a, well, metropolitans like Denver and Dallas, I've noticed they have a lot of birth photographers. It could be more challenging to get ranked in those cities. Generally speaking, it's relatively easy to get ranked for birth photography terms because it's still so new. So that's number two was SEO. Number three was specializing. 
because I was known as a birth photographer and people knew me for that thing, even though I photographed families and I did still photograph newborns, Mm -hmm. people knew me as a birth photographer and that helped me stand out among the other photographers who were like wedding photographers and also shoot birth or family photographers and also shoot birth. I was like the birth photographer who also shoots these other things. I am, I think those three things are what was able to help my business continue to grow after those first few clients. I love that. Okay. Awesome. Let's talk a little bit about like doing a business audit. Cause I know that that's something else that you talked about and really diving deep to see like, what are some of the things that are going on in your business and how to improve them? I feel like as passion field entrepreneurs, we know the thing that we want to offer really, 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 really well. And then the business side of it is kind of confusing and we're trying to figure it out and speak a new language as far as like, this business landscape goes. So I would love to hear from you about your business audit. Yes, that was one thing that I noticed um, from my students. I actually have had students come to me before and they're like, okay, Tavia, I feel like I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing, air quotes, right? Like I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing and my calendar just isn't booking. Like I'm not getting the number of clients that I want. Mm. And so it helps me realize that there's a specific way to look at your business and to audit what's happening to pinpoint exactly what's going wrong and what's going right so that you can start to try to fix things. The first thing is understanding that there is seasonality even in birth work. Um, As photographers, as a birth photographer, you know, you think about wedding photographers, oh, they have like a season, right? And family photographers are super busy in the fall, they have a season. And you think getting into either birth or newborn photography, you wouldn't really have that seasonality. But I've noticed like this weird thing in July and August, I would always have a lull in inquiries. And I don't know, like people were still getting pregnant. It wasn't that. It was that people were busy. You know, it's like the summertime, they're on vacation. They're just not in that um, like regimented mindset that they have during other parts of the year. And so I would notice July and August would always be slow for inquiries. And then once school started back up, it'd be like my, even people that didn't have kids in school, it's weird. Um, would, it would suddenly pick back up. And so that was true for my business. Look at your own business. If you have a history and look back and go like, okay, when can I see that I had a lull in inquiries and can I start to predict or expect that? Um, because my, my students will often say to me in the middle of July, I'm not getting any inquiries. And I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Like it's normal, you know? So that's the first thing to think about. Okay. The second thing to think about it, I'm like one, two, three about everything. I don't know why everything is threes for me today, that's but awesome. like, here we go with the threes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second thing is I think that as business owners, we get an inquiry and we get excited, right? We're like, oh, I'm going to get a booking. That part. Right? Mm -hmm. I think that if we can start to look at inquiries as I'm going to book 25% of these people who inquire instead of 100%, if we can just shift our mindset around how many clients we're actually going to book based on the inquiries, it's going to help our little brains calm down a little bit when we get an inquiry and not get so like, they didn't book me. My prices are too expensive. Why am I even doing this? You know, it's like, it's okay. You're only booking 25% right? Like just get it in your head. You're going to book 25%. And that will start to set that expectation a little bit. So it doesn't feel like everyone's just ignoring you or that your prices are too expensive. Yeah. The third thing is looking at your process when someone lands on your website all the way through until they book with you. Oh, okay. And really think about that kind of in, I'm trying not to say three sections, 
but I think it is three sections. <laughs> um, think about it in three sections. The first is the website visitor to the contact form. That's one. Okay. The contact form to the consultation, that's two. And the consultation to the booking, that's three. Oh. So if we can almost think of those as like three buckets, right? Mm -hmm. Or actually, let's think about it like you have a glass bottle on a beach. Mm -hmm. And you fill up that glass bottle with sand. And those are all of your bookings, right? Okay, so dump that glass bottle out, turn it up, you've got it empty. Now you're going to get a funnel, just like a funnel you would use in the kitchen, put it in the top of that glass bottle, mm. poke some holes in it, pour the sand in that bottle. And all the stuff's coming out the side. Some of it's making it in, right? But some of it is spilling out of those holes. Those holes are holes in your process. Those holes are holes going from the website to the contact form, to the consultation, to the booking. You want every single one of those grains of sand to make it into the bottle, right? So this is the process where we look and we go, okay, what are these holes and how can I start to plug them up so that more people who enter my world, who come to my website, actually make it in as clients. Oh, that's good. So when you think about it, like website to contact form, are you tracking the number of people who hit your website and the number of people who fill out your contact form? And what is that percentage? If you're not tracking it, start tracking it. Then if you look at of the people that fill out your contact form, how many people book a consultation? What's that percentage? and start tracking that. It's just these little things that really make a huge difference. From the consultation, how many actually end up booking you on that call, whether it's in person or on Zoom, right then. Track that percentage. So those are kind of like your three buckets. Those are your three holes in your funnel. Mm. So if you start to see like, okay, 10% uh, of people who visit my website fill out my contact form, how can I get that to 15 or 20? If, you know, 50% of people who fill out my contact form book a consultation, how can I get that to 75% or 80%? How can I fill that hole? And so on and so on. And so I think once you actually have those numbers and start to track them, you can get really specific about intentionally increasing those percentages. So you start to plug those holes in that funnel. I love that. Okay. Wow. That was really, really awesome. I think that I never really think about the percentage of people that come to my website versus fill out a contact form. I do think about how many people that fill out the contact form actually end up booking the service. I think because that's like the last two steps. And so that's the easiest for me to track. But yeah, I absolutely do have Google Analytics and could definitely see how many visitors I'm getting to the website as well. So I'm excited to start tracking that. You brought up something and you're probably going to hate me for asking, but I am going to ask. You brought up pricing as something that people may like stop at the door about. I will admit that I know somebody who's expecting and she recently looked for birth photographers in her area and she was like, whoa, I had no idea that birth photographers were charging like at this level. And not that you guys aren't 1000% worth every single penny, but I feel like as doulas, like doulas have some, let's say challenges around charging at a certain level. And it seems like birth photographers don't have those struggles and those issues. So talk a little bit about like how you advise like people to go about pricing their services. If you do have advice or rules of thumb, probably in the number three, we would love to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
going to try to make it four. No. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so interesting. I never really thought about it from that perspective of like, so here's the thing. You're on call. Doulas are on call. Birth photographers are on call. That's a huge part of the fee. Yes. Right. Because that can really put a strain on you, your family, your entire life. And so a huge part of that fee is being on call. What I suggest birth photographers specifically do yeah. is look at, okay, what do I want my someday prices to be? What do I want to be charging someday? And taking into account, what do I want my salary to be? How many clients can I take a year? Mm -hmm. What are my expenses? If I have any things like, you know, your CRM or your cell phone or your internet, things like that. Yeah. Take all those things into consideration and set your someday price, whether that's $1,500, $2,000, $3,000, blah, 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 yeah. on and on. And discount it while you are building your portfolio. Okay. I never, ever recommend photographers shoot for free. But Tavia, you just told us that you photographed your first birth for free. Yes, I did. But since then, I've become much wiser. And I have seen so many birth photographers get burned because they just want experience. They don't want to charge. It's too much pressure. I'm just going to you know, photograph these births for free yeah. and get some experience. Mm. I cannot tell you how many times I have seen the mom not call the photographer yep. because she changes her mind last minute or something happens to where this photographer has been on call and something happens at the last minute and they don't call her, they change their mind, they don't want her to come. And it's like, you're out all that time that you've been on call. And that is so incredibly valuable. Yeah. When money is exchanged, it just changes things. Even if it's $50, even if it's refundable, which is another thing that I've recommended to students, give them their money back after you photograph their birth. But if they change their mind, you keep the money because you being on call is valuable and is worth something. Mm -hmm. And so please don't ever shoot for free. But if you are building your portfolio, look at, okay, I'm going to charge $2,000 someday, air quotes, I am going to discount it 50%, 80%, 90% for my first five births. And I'm going to let people know that like, hey, my regular price when I am, you know, have my portfolio filled is going to be $2,000. But because I'm new, and because I don't have experience, I'm actually only charging $250 or $500 or whatever it is, as I work towards charging full price. And you're just letting people know that upfront. So as far as what to charge, um, it can be so many things yeah. we can get in our head about it. You know, uh, it depends a lot on where you live and cost of living and those kinds of things. But I think that setting a someday price and discounting it while you're building your portfolio is another like touch point where you can, where you can let that client know like, Hey, I am learning and growing and here's why this is so heavily discounted. Okay. I love that. Any tips or advice or things you want to touch on that we didn't touch on so far? Um, no, I think I've been rattling as soon as something pops in my head. I think I'm like, <laughs> and this and this, um, I mean, I think that the mindset around money is really important because whenever we have something that we love to do, it's really easy not to charge appropriately for it yep. because we're passionate about it. And especially as women, I've noticed in myself, we have this thing where we're like, oh, I just feel bad charging. Like we have our own set of money issues, you know, where it's like, oh, I don't want to charge. I feel bad. Mm -hmm. But it's so important to recognize that regardless of how you feel, like I said, when money is exchanged, your client takes things more seriously and you take things more seriously. 
When it's free, there's just not that exchange of value. But when even a small amount of money has been paid, everyone involved starts to look at things a little bit more seriously. And so if you're somebody who wants to create a business that actually could retire you from your full-time job, your spouse from a full-time job, like be a full-time income, start now looking at your business seriously, not like a hobby. And that starts with your very first client. Yeah. Tavia, how did you get so business savvy? Like you seem very, very business savvy. (laughs) And it's interesting because I think that for some people, it's like you always had it or you like get educated like through being an entrepreneur and kind of grow into the business savviness. So what was it for you? Definitely the last one. I am a college dropout. (laughs) I went to college for like two semesters (laughs) and uh, then I got, I was married and I was like, oh, well, we should just go to college. Like that's what you do. Right. Yeah. And I didn't know why I was there. This is like another passion of mine that has nothing to do with birth or photography. Um, Just especially in America, we, at least my generation grew up thinking like, oh, you go to college and you get a good job. Like that's the American dream. And so my husband and I did that. He got a job. You know, he graduated college and got a job. I stayed home with our kids. And it's like, this is not the life that we want. Like this is not you know, he, he's going to job every day to do a job that he hates. He's away from us, you know? So it just started to turn into like questioning things mm-hmm. and starting to look at like, why do we do things this way? Why can't we do something we actually enjoy to make money? Why do we need benefits? Do we actually need benefits? Do we need a salary? You know, like things like that. Mm-hmm. And so as far as the biz- business savviness, I would say I became passionate about photography and I wanted to see my photography business do well. And so I educated myself with Google and YouTube and courses and books and um, some coaching and have just been doing this so long that it's just in my brain now. I can't get it out. I love it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. Tell everybody where they can find you online. And then of course, tell everybody about the beautiful course that you have for people that are interested in becoming birth photographers. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. So I have a podcast called From Better Half to Boss Photography Podcast, and it is all about kind of what we just talked about, the things that I did to grow my business to the level where my husband could leave his full-time job and my business was supporting my family of five. We're also a homeschool family. So I grew my business while homeschooling my kids and um, just sort of like the time management used in that and the marketing things that I did to grow my business. Now, both, both of my businesses um, to that level. It's been really fun. So I love talking about that on the show. Mm-hmm. I also have a certification for birth photographers through my company, The Beauty and Birth, where um, basically just in the same way that a doula would get certified and go through processes and take an assessment and complete these different things. I saw a need for that in birth photography because people were just saying, I'm a birth photographer, not realizing some of the things we've talked about today, like you're entering a sacred space. You're entering someone's birth space and there's two parts. There's the portrait photographer part and there's the birth worker part. And both of those need to um, co-mingle in order for you to be a successful birth photographer. So I have a certification for birth photographers that teaches them every single thing I have ever learned about being a birth photographer, um, how to edit, how to photograph in manual, lighting, all of that good stuff. Um, You can check that out at certifiedbirthphotographer.com. Okay, awesome. We'll drop both of those in the description. I just wanted to thank you. Thank you. Thank you 
you. Thank you so much for being a guest and for the incredible work that you're doing in the industry. I really appreciate you and your time. And thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this was helpful, that it inspired you guys. If you were thinking about birth photography, it seems like this may be your sign that it's time to jump in and you have an incredible coach to help guide you through the way. So we will see you guys in the next episode. Bye for now.